0: but I want you to step into a place in the realm of the spirit because the spirit is dimensional and there are places in the spirit. We know we're already seated in heavenly places, right? So we're going to enter a place in the spirit where there will be freedom for you for finances. So Father, right now, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father God, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of your Son that opens portals over us. We ask right now that a portal be opened over each and every one here. That as that portal is opened, revelation flows down. Provision is released. That the portal opens up the barriers and barricades that have held your people back. Let the portals be opened. Let the angels be released. Let provision come in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So we step into that realm of the Spirit, right? We step in. Oh gosh, I love God, don't you? I love Him. Love the way He moves and who He is and what He does. So I want to talk just a a fraction because I know you are anointed to prosper. You are anointed to prosper because you are in Christ and everything Jesus is, that's who you are. That's who you are. You are in Christ. But in uh, James chapter 2, where he said, Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And there's something in that. And we call upon the name Jehovah Jireh right. in Genesis 22, right? right? We call upon that name because yeah. his provision will be seen yeah. upon the mountain. Yes. But it's, it's more than just a name. So if you want to turn to Genesis 22, I'm going to show you that it's a spiritual dimension that you step into. Genesis 22. And in verse 12, the Lord said to him, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So... Pastor Andrew was talking before about the Isaacs, the things that we carry in our heart, which sometimes can become a little bit more important than the God who provides them.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? If we, should, we want something with such hunger that sometimes it becomes an idol. And so God was saying to Abraham, I really need you to lay your heart's desires on the altar because there's something I want to show you. And in verse 13, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So God always asks us to release something so we can receive something. We release to receive. And Abraham called the name of the place. It wasn't the name of God. It was the name of the place. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I've sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing and have not withheld your son your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand of the seashore. But that, this is the name of the place was Jehovah-Jireh. So when Abraham laid his Isaac on the altar, when Abraham released everything in his heart to God, he stepped into a spiritual dimension where God says, because you have withheld nothing from me, I withhold nothing from you. You give me everything, I give you everything. There is a release. It's covenant. And so you step into a spiritual dimension and you've got to understand that we are bi-locational people. You know, like I'm here in the physical, but in the spiritual skinnier oh yes but in the spiritual I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and so we're in two places at once and so there are dimensions in the realm of the spirit that we can access that we can step into and as spiritual people that is our natural home this is our unnatural home I'm like a fish out of water on the earth because I'm a spiritual being I am I'm a spirit being with a soul and I have a body this is my earth suit But it's not who I am, I'm in Christ, I'm a spirit being. And so I can step into these places in the spiritual realm. I'm already seated there with Christ in heavenly places. I'm already seated there. But I can step into that spiritual dimension of Jehovah Jireh, where the Lord's provision is seen upon the mount, where his provision is seen in my life, because I've laid everything on the altar and we hold nothing tightly. We hold nothing. We just, it's yours, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, whenever you want it, I'm here as an offering. My life is an offering for you. And so it's this spiritual dimension. So we call upon the name of Jehovah Jireh and well and true because he has made covenant for provision. That's
1: right.
0: He's made covenant for provision. That's
1: right.
0: But it's also a spiritual dimension where you say, God, I hold nothing back. Yeah. Everything
1: is yours. Thank you,
0: Lord. And he says, I now release everything yeah. to you. Yeah. Covenant. So I love the word. So don't be frightened by these two notebooks. We'll be finished by tomorrow. <laughs> but this one this one is is um this is what I write about the tithe and offerings. And so all of these all of these pages These are all notes that I read something I think oh I want that. I am a glutton for the word of God. I'm glutton for what he's got. And um, so, you know, I pay my tithes as an act of worship and I pay my tithes um, and and I'm given wisdom and revelation by the anointing of God. And one back here, back here somewhere. Let me just read this because you are anointed to prosper and it should be unnatural not to prosper, right? It should be unnatural not to do that. Let our tithes and offerings come from great hearts, sustained by great ideas, contemplating great aims and our prayers which take the form of deeds. Let our tithes and our offerings be worship and sweet music in the heavens. But let it come from great hearts, sustained by great ideas, contemplating great aims It takes you something beyond where you are in the natural. It takes you into the supernatural. It takes you into an expression of God's love, God's revelation, God's plan for your life, where Jesus said, i am come to give you life and life more abundant, more abundantly than what you're experiencing right now, more abundant in creativity, more abundant in expression, more abundant in wisdom and revelation and knowledge and understanding. He says, I've come to give you these amazing things, but I need you to step into who you are in Christ. And so one of the things that stops us from prospering is our mindset. My father, bless his heart, he went home to be with the Lord last year, but he always said, I'm on a fixed income. He'd always say chick at the end because he was talking to me, but I'm on a fixed income, chick. And I'm like, hey, nothing will change with a mindset like that. Nothing will change. So we've got to understand that you've got the mind of Christ and you can step into that anytime you want. Yeah. My gosh, God holds nothing back from us. That's Absolutely right. nothing. Right. Absolutely nothing. He holds nothing back. I have a... If you're in business, I have something somewhere. Here we go. Business. As you tithe. God gives you favour with clients and employees. God ensures you get the highest wages. Strikes will not affect you. God is with you. God sees to it you're well provided for. God will prosper you in business. God will guide you to great bargains. God will send you clients and customers. No curse can touch you, including the curse of poverty or financial insufficiency. God will ensure that every bill is paid in full by the due date. God is your partner in business and he will look out for your business interests. If you are, you know, working as a teacher in writing and things like that, as you tithe, God will make your thoughts clear. He will give you holy impulse and inspiration. He will originate thoughts which breathe words which burn with fire and books that stir people's hearts. He will cause things to move and to change. And so as you get into these things, you write it out, you make it a prayer and you say, God, I want this, man, I want this. I want the redemptive power of Christ to be seen in my life. I want a redemptive barrier between me and the people of the world. And man, I don't understand why Suzette's so blessed. I don't understand why her home is so full of peace and joy. There's that the redemptive, difference between us and the world, but we're not really seeing it in people's lives. And this is why I believe the heart cry of God at this time is he's wanting to release a redemptive difference between our lives and the lives of the people in the world so that they're stirred by a jealousy. They're stirred by a hunger. I don't understand what you've got, but I want it. And so we can introduce them to Jesus Christ, but there needs to be a redemptive difference. There needs to be a redemptive difference. There has to be because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes. And you are anointed to prosper, which means that the anointing, which is per- permanently on the inside of you, which teaches you all things, that anointing, 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 and 27, that anointing that permanently resides on the inside of you will teach you to prosper, will teach you how to take your rightful place in the things of God will destroy mindsets of religion which tell you that it's ungodly to have too much money. Poverty comes from the pit of hell. Poverty drives people to crime. There is no redemptive quality in poverty. It was not in the Garden of Eden. It's not in heaven. It should not be in our lives in Jesus' name. And so we take hold of these things and we we look at our lives. You know what, God, I want everything that you've got for me. I want everything. Jesus paid the ultimate price and I will not lose out on a single thing. I want everything that you've got for me. So I was, I was sharing a little bit last night. One of the ways that I stopped the, the move of God in my life in regards to provision was that I had made a statement that I will survive. And being made in the image of God, my words carry power. My words carry life. My words actually frame the world that I live in. And so when I said I will survive, I placed that limit of survival upon my life. And the kids and I survived. But there was nothing left over. There was, there was no extra anything. It was just a survival mode. So our words create and we need to be so aware of what are you speaking over your life? What are the words that you speak when you sit down every month to pay your bills? Or you pay your rent or your mortgage. What are the words that you speak? Because they come out of your belief system. They come out of your belief system. And sometimes we have a mindset that we don't really understand that, you know, it's come from our family. It's come from our, our background. It's come from, um, like, <laughs> I have a fixed income. No, I don't. My income is constantly increasing. That's right. My income is... Because my God's a good provider. Yeah. My Father loves me. My Heavenly Father loves me. So what are the words that you speak? So sometimes we have a mindset that we are only worth so much. Or I'm unskilled, so I can't expect to earn any more. Or, um, you know, whatever it might be. But we have these mindsets that limit us. And I'm telling you here today that the Holy Spirit wants to drive a wrecking ball into that kind of a mindset so that you are completely set free. And that you can say, you know what? I know that I can have all things with God all things are possible. And if I want to double my income, if I want to double my income, if I want to get a better job, if I want to own my own business, I can do it with Christ because I will not be limited. I will not be restricted. I will not be restrained by a mindset that has not come from the throne room of God. And so we've got to make sure that what we think lines up with the throne room of God, with the heart of the father, because he does not want any of his kids struggling making, you know, day-to-day kind of a lifestyle. He knows you love him, you, lo- you love him, he loves you, but let's step into what he's got. Let's yeah. step into the fullness of the provision of what yeah. he's got. Amen. So I was, I don't know whether I shared this last time I was here or not, but I was in prayer with two girlfriends some years back. And without even realising it, the three of us ended into a spiritual dimension. And I'm in, I called it the warehouse, I don't know what to call it. It was massive. You couldn't see the sides, couldn't see the back. But it was full of anything you would ever need for life. There were body parts for healing. There was everything. There was no lack. And so I grabbed kidneys. (laughs) A Friend of mine's husband needed kidneys, so I grabbed some kidneys. One of the girls, one of the women with me said, I need a new house, we're moving. I'm going to go and find a house. So she went somewhere else. And she's, I heard her yell out, I've got it. She is now living in the very house she saw up there. Wow. Right? My other girlfriend, my other, the other prayer friend with me, she said, I'm just going to get a shopping trolley. I'm just going for it.
1: <laughs>
0: Amen. And I'm wandering around. And even now I get so weepy. I am, I am overwhelmed with the liberality and the generosity of God. Amen. Whatever need you have, he's made provision. So this was the physical aspect. And I went into another, and I, I walked, I don't know how I got there. But, and all of a sudden, there's all the emotions. There's love and joy and peace and hope. It's emotions. And I think the one thing that struck me was I'd just come back from Uganda and a lot of the people over there still cook over open fires. And I prayed for so many babies that had rolled into the fire while they slept. And so they've got, you know, um, horrible scars on their legs and everything. and, And yet here there's skin. And if I had known you could get skin, I would have just prayed for new skin instead of healing. We've got to pray for wholeness. Wholeness. Because my, my mind just went, oh, I, you know, just heal them, Lord. But really, it's bring them to wholeness. Like there's never happened in the first place. And then in another place, there's people on their knees, like kids in front of a toy box. And they're pulling things out like this. You know, like, no, it's not what I want. No, no, ah, this is it. And what it was was movie plots, inventions. There were songs. There were books waiting to be released. They're all waiting up there, waiting to be released on earth. God's made provision. There are songs waiting to be sung, books waiting to be written, movies to be released, inventions, business ideas. My goodness, they're all up there. And they're waiting for us. All we've got to do is is just access it by faith because we've been given the keys of the kingdom. God says, I'm not holding anything back. You can take anything you want. And so it's just incredible. So as we're leaving, I've got the kidneys. My other girlfriend's got the house. I should have thought about that. And then the other one's got the shopping trolley because she's got three boys and she just wanted them set, you know, for life. And she yells out, how do I pay? And then she went, Jesus has paid for everything. Jesus has paid for everything. So it doesn't matter what you need. It doesn't matter what you lack. It doesn't matter how far behind the eight ball you think you are. It doesn't matter what kind of a a history you have. It doesn't matter what your future looks like. Jesus has paid the price for the ultimate of life's prosperity, for everything and anything that you need. And he holds nothing back because there's a place called Jehovah. Gyra, a spiritual dimension that you can step into. And so you've got this prophecy in your heart. You know, you've had prophecies over you. People have spoken words over you. Promises have been given to you. And you're thinking, man, when is this going to happen? Does anyone ever get back like to prophecies? You're like, God, you know, I'm 66. Like, come on, we have not got a lot of time left. 30 good years maybe. Come on, move it, you know. And so we've got these, these things that have been spoken over us, but it looks like in the natural. Like, come on. So I tell you, you access the spiritual dimension. And you know how you access spiritual dimension? Prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it is. It's just prayer. And you step into that place in prayer. And you say, God, there's been prophecies and there's been promises spoken over me. And it doesn't look like anything's coming close. It doesn't look like there's any kind of a breakthrough. But right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I put a demand on the spirit of God. I put a demand on the spirit. I make a demand upon the anointing and I call it forth. And I say, come to me now in Jesus' name. Come to me now in Jesus' name. Come to me now in Jesus' name and receive it by faith delay is often not God. And if we need to grow into it, grow me quick, Lord, because I want to move on. Grow me quick so I can handle what you've got for me. Mature me so I can move into this. But I want it now in Jesus' name. Now I can grow into it as it it comes to me. Let me grow into it. But we know what? We, We sit back and go, maybe it's not God's time. And we're not aggressive in faith. Not aggressive to go after the prophecies and the promises that have been given to you because we've been taught to sit back, not in this house, but the body of Christ has been taught to sit back and to wait upon God. And God's up there saying, come on, guys, I've given you everything. Come on, I've given you an anointing to prosper. Come on, I've given you a freedom from death. Come on, I've given you the blessing. Come on, guys. We've got angels hanging around sort of like looking for something to do. I wanna keep the angels so busy that they need to call for reinforcements. I got time to make up, you know. So we've got this this anointing to prosper, but an anointing is no good unless it's activated. I've got an anointing to preach, but unless I actually preach, the anointing to preach is dormant. And so sometimes in our lives, the anointing to prosper is dormant because we can't see how to get a better job. We can't see how to increase things. We can't see how to get out of debt. We can't see how to change the circumstances and the situations. And we can't see these things. And so the anointing to prosper is there and your faith is there, but you need it to come together and you need to make a demand in the realm of the spirit. And you need to say, you know what? I refuse to allow this to define who I am. I refuse to allow this to limit my life. I call forth now everything God's got for me and I'm stepping into it in Jesus. Now I call down generational blessings the generational blessings that have been stored in the heavens from my family I call it down upon my life in Jesus name you know we we cannot accept the things of God are taken by people that are aggressive in faith that they trust it might not I don't see how God's going to do it but I trust I don't see how things are going to change but I trust And so I'm not settling for where I am. I'm taking hold of everything that God's got for me. So in Genesis chapter 39, we have Joseph. And he, you know, had been given this amazing prophecy that he's going to be a ruler and brothers are going to bow down to him. And just like there's a contention over the prophecy. And he's taken um, hostage by his brothers. He's sold. He ends up on an auction block. He's bought. He's in a country where um, it's a different God, it's a different religion, it's a different language, different customs. There's no network, there's no support, there's no friends, there's no family. He is totally isolated, totally taken out of his comfort home and translated into this place in Egypt. And then he's standing, the son of a rich man, a grandson of Abraham, or great-grandson, and he is standing on an auction block. Can you imagine what is going through him? What happened if one of us, taken from where we are, kidnapped, sold, standing on an auction block, can you imagine what is going through him? The only thing he had in his life that was constant at that time was his relationship with God. It was his relationship with God. It wasn't the fact that he served God, it was the fact that he had a relationship with him. And this is what we have. And so as a slave, it says here in Genesis chapter 39, talk about an anointing to prosper. It says in verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful or prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He's a slave. He had been sold. And I read that years ago and I thought, how can a slave prosper? You have no rights. You don't get a weekly wage. You are fed and housed, but you're told what to do, when to do it, how to get there. You have no no rights at all. So how could this man prosper? How could they even say, some translations say prosperous, others say successful? How could Joseph, a slave, prosper? There was an anointing to prosper, but how can you in a situation where you have no funds you can't speak the language or you're learning the language quickly there's there's nothing like what do you how can, how does this happen but the the phrase the lord was with is the key covenant relationship the lord was with him and that was all he needed to prosper How awesome is that? That's all he needed. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And so I read that and I thought, Lord, I'm not exactly a slave. Feel like it, but not exactly. But I am a single mum. And I have six kids. And I have no regular income. And just as you were with Joseph... I ask you to be with me. Just whatever kind of relationship that means, that's what I want. I ask you to be with me like you were with Joseph. And then you read the next bit, and it says that he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper or succeed in his hand. So... The master saw this. So that means to me that there was something in what Joseph did and the results in the outcome that he had that defied description because there would be other servants, there would be other slaves, they would all be working for for the Pharaoh or Potiphar and yet it was something in Joseph's outcome, something in his results that the master meant, man, there's a different God with you. I recognize by what you do and by how you do it and by the results that you get that you serve a different God. I have yet to see the supernatural results on the outcome of what I do that I I know God can do. Does this make sense? I would love for an employer to say to me, I don't ever want to work for anyone again, but if I did... I would love for them to say, I can see that the Lord is with you and he makes every single thing you do to prosper and be successful. Man, you'd get promoted, yeah? And it simply was out of relationship. He was anointed to prosper because he carried the relationship. Because he understood covenant. Because it didn't matter that he'd been sold as a slave. It didn't matter that he'd been trafficked. It didn't matter that he was in a foreign country. He had a covenant with an almighty God that was the Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, the God of all sufficiency, the God who will always take care of him. He had a relationship with him that defied any situation or circumstance that he was involved in. So the challenge with us is that sometimes we allow the situations and the circumstances we're in to define who we are and it defines our income and it defines the way we live instead of saying you know what the covenant i have with an almighty god defines me the covenant that i have with god that defines my income that defines where i live it might not look like i've got much of a covenant but i'm telling you my covenant with god will define everything i am everything i do and everything i have because i have a covenant with a god that defies description
1: yeah
0: so sometimes you've got to get righteously angry. Righteously angry. So I don't know about you, but I was, I've been a Bible college lecturer, dean of a Bible college, assistant pastor, pastor now. Commissioned as an apostle doesn't mean a blessed thing. I'm a child of God. Amen. That's my identity. I'm in Christ. So there are 143 scriptures that define who you are in Christ in the New Testament. 143. And when you know those, and I've got them written out, (laughs) naturally, there's over 2,000 of them because I've got them in the Amplified Translation. I've got them in the Message Translation. I've now got them in the Passion Translation. (laughs) And I just read a page a day. I've got, you know, thick like this. I've got a plastic folder. I've got all my daily confessions. And so I've got five minutes. I sit down, I pull it out, and I do my in Christ realities. This is who I am. Might look like a little, you know, Clark Kendy kind of person, docile grandma on the outside, but I tell you what, on the inside it's the fire of God. On the inside, it's the rage of the Holy Ghost. On the inside, it's the power of the living Word of God. On the inside is who I am. So you've got to decree right now, or decide, how are you going to live? You're anointed to prosper. You're going to stir up the anointing. You're going to call it forth, yeah. or you're just going to let life define where you are and what you have?
1: Because
0: yeah. we need I'm not talking about rich for riches' sake, but I'm talking about wealth. We have orphanages, we have it takes money to get the gospel out. There is um, not just money to get the gospel out, but you know, to build orphanages, to build hospitals. It takes funding to stop trafficking of people takes funding to stop evil funding and the church has been kept poor and that's never been God's intent but we've been taught to accept what we've been given and be grateful godliness with contentment is great gain true but by the same token we should not have been taught to accept what life has dished out we should not have been taught to accept that this is who you are this is where you're at This is, what is it? Um, It is what it is. Can't stand that. I have a grandson at the moment who's, it is what it is. It is what it is. And I'm saying, no, it's not. All things are subject to change. You know, it's an acceptance. So we've got to come to a place where we will not tolerate. We'll not tolerate one thing from the pit of hell. And that's poverty. That's limits, restrictions, containment. Now there are restrictions and containment from the word of God, restrictions and containment from what love is because love is to do is, is the motive of everything we do. But we have accepted things. You've been passed over for promotions at work. Um, somebody's ripped you off and we've been taught to forgive and to release. And so we forgive and release, but we're still hurting financially or our career's taken a major bust and doesn't know what, what we're going to do to change it. And so we've accepted these things and we've forgiven the people And we've released the people. And God, I just thank you, God. I know that you're working it out for good. But we have not once stepped into justice. And if you want the anointing to prosper, you've got to know how to function in righteousness and justice. Because the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to bring abundant life. So we need to understand how to move this. So the throne of God is on two two foundations. 97 verse 2. Um, The throne of God is on righteousness and justice. So we've been taught righteousness. We understand righteousness. We know how to forgive, turn the other cheek. We know how to love. We know how to bless our enemies. We know how to do all of that. But the other side of it is justice. So who in here has been ripped off financially? Just about everybody. Did you ever get your restoration? No? How would you like to get restoration? right? Okay. So, th- but you're going to have to maintain it. You're going to have to step into the revelation of it and continue to thank God for it every day. But in order to get this, what we need to do is to release justice. And so, and God is, loves justice. It says in Isaiah, I, the Lord love justice. And in Amos five twenty four, this is an amazing scripture in the message. I was planning a conference And I'm asking God for a word, you know, hey, a word for the conference, God, we've got these speakers coming, God, we just, you know, want to hear what you've got to say. And he says, "Um, I hate and despise your feast days. And I'm thinking, this isn't a word that I want, Lord. And in the message, it was like your conferences, you know, I'm thinking, do you want us to cancel a conference? I mean, like... And so the the message is is fabulous in this. It says, I hate and despise your feast days. I don't savour your sacred assemblies. And though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And by then I'm thinking, oh, God, what are you saying? Because I'm not feeling comfortable. You know, and and what are you saying about the conference? It says, nor will I regard your fat and peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. And so that's the throne of God. So what's happened in the church is that we have established righteousness upon the earth, but we have not established justice. And so we're saying, God, let your kingdom come. God, let your will be done. And God is up there saying, well, really want to work with you guys, but you need righteousness and justice because justice requires righteousness and righteousness requires justice in order to establish the throne of God. And so what what happens is that stuff happens to us as Christians and anointed to prosper, absolutely. You know, above all things, I prosper, I live in health, even as my soul is prospering. So I'm working on a prosperous soul. I'm working on renewing my mind. I'm meditating prosperity scriptures. I'm getting into things that I need to do. I'm writing out heaps of stuff on the tithe. You know, all of this kind of stuff. But if there's no justice, the anointing cannot anchor itself and release the provision. It's like sitting in a canoe with one paddle. Righteousness, righteousness, right? And all I'm doing is going in circles, round and round and round, the same mountain all the time. God, I know you've anointed me to prosper. God, I know that you know, you've know you got more for me than what I'm now experiencing. God, I know that you've got prophecies that I've yet to walk into. Yeah, yeah. Righteousness, righteousness. Oh, and then chuck in faithful, 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 faithful. But leave out justice and I will never make a straight way because the way of the Lord is righteousness and justice. So when we we are anointed to prosper, we need to release the prosperity. You may be anointed to prosper, but if the devil's got the prosperity locked up by a poverty mindset, if he's got it locked up by situations or circumstances, if we've been ripped off and never received the restoration... You might be anointed to prosper, but we're not seeing the manifestation. And I'm into manifestation. I need to see the provision of God in my life. And so it's recognizing that there are times I need to release justice. So for areas where you've been ripped off, let me tell you how to pray. Praying so easy, but you need a bit of grunt. You need a bit of righteous anger You need a bit of, how dare you, devil, get out from under my feet. Get back where you belong. You know, you need to understand that God is angry on your behalf. Right? He's angry. He doesn't want you ripped off. He doesn't want things stolen from you. He doesn't want opportunities blocked. He doesn't want doors shut in your face. And we sit back and think, oh, well, God will take care of it. But He's only sovereign when it comes to things that He has set in place. When it comes to free will, that is us. And God will never, ever, ever interfere with your free will. And so he's up there saying, come on. Well, I don't know if he's actually saying, come on, but I get the fed up anointing. And I love the fed up anointing because when I get it, things start to change. Because until I get fed up, I accept it. I tolerate it. I put up with it. Nothing changes. So when I get fed up, I think, okay, I need to release the justice of God. So when I um, God was talking to me about starting a church, he said, you need to get out of, out of debt because I will not allow you to pastor a church while you're in debt. Because as the, the head is, so is the... So that was, that was his thing to me. Everybody's got a different thing. Like Samson was, you know, don't shave your hair and someone else, it's something else. But that was his instruction to me because I had to get rid of my poverty mindset. And so that was his instruction to me. And so I had a phone call. You know how you get these phone calls when you're a couple of days late with a payment? And you're late with your master... And this is how long ago it was, bank card payment. And I'm thinking, flip. Is there a reason why you haven't paid? And on the inside, I'm being very unchristian. I'm going, yeah, I haven't paid because I don't have the money. You know, like, Seriously. But but they talk in that condescending way and I understand that they have to do it. That's their job. And I do my best to make my payments on time. Back then when the kids were little and I'm a single mum, I hung up that phone and the fed up anointing hit. I "I will never have another phone call like that again in my life. I will never accept being talked to like that. I will never accept not making a payment on time. I will never again allow myself to be put in a position where that kind of a phone call can happen because that's not God. That's not God. He said, he'd meet my every need. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, you know, that um, as I give, so it'll be given back, good measure, pressed down. I, I tithe, you know, the windows of heaven are open. So what I was experiencing was not God. So the anger kicked in, the righteous anger. I thought, I will not accept this kind of a thing again. And I think too often we accept Doctor's reports, bank statements, being overlooked promotions at work. There's a story in one of the Kenneth Copeland magazines like about forever ago about a guy who had applied for a job. God told him that the job was his. He applied for it. It was beyond his experience, but he knew that the hand of God was on him for this job. And so he went for the job, went for the interview and got a letter saying, that sorry, but you've been rejected. We've chosen someone else. He wrote across it in big red letters, unacceptable. And sent it back to the company. Got another phone call, got the job. Wow. See, but most of us would think, oh, well, I must not have heard God. Must not have heard God. And so we take a step back. But whenever anything like that happens, let me tell you what you do. You take a further step forward. You don't get pushed back. You belong to Jesus. He never took a back step in his life. So you don't take a back step. So when we pray for justice, you don't pray against people. Because who knows what God's doing in their hearts? Just when I sort of like, oh, God, are you ever going to do something with my kids? He does something, you know. So you don't know what God's doing. You cannot pray against people. You pray for them. We bless them. We bless them with God's will, God's plan, God's purpose. I love doing that because it could be something really great or it could really teach them a lesson, but, you know, it's it's up to God. But what I'm saying is when we pray for the people... You ask that they would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that they would be touched by God, that they'd have an encounter with Jesus, that would change their life forever, that they'd step into the blessing, the promise, the plan of God for their lives, that the Holy Spirit would just minister and He'd convict them, He'd draw them in, that whatever God has planned for that person, that that's what would come about. So you pray for the people. But then you say, but God, righteously... I've prayed for the person, but now I come to the other side of the throne, to the Lord of hosts, to the God of angel armies. And I ask you to release justice into this situation into the situation, not into the people, but into the situation, into the events. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So you allow God to define what that justice looks like. We don't go to God and say, I want justice and this is what I want. You don't do that. It's entirely up to God. You say, this is, I want justice, but God, I also want recompense. I want restoration. I want restitution because I've been under stress. I've suffered. It's cost me some things. So I want I want repayment. I want recompense for this. Does this make sense? Yes. You know, And this is where the, the justice of God comes in. So yes, you are anointed to prosper. But unless you release that anointing by faith, unless you can stir up the gifts of the Spirit on the inside of you, until you agree and align with the Word of God, until you say, I'm no longer going to accept the restrictions, the limitations, the confinements, the words that people have spoken over me, I will not allow a mindset that's less than the mind of Christ to define who I am, what I have and where I go. Then, you know, we've got to really step out out of these things. So let me tell you about faith. Faith has been given to us by God. Can't fail. It's God given. However, faith is only released when we release it. We can decide whether I'm going to live by faith or whether I'm just going to coast. So faith is a gift from God, but it's my choice what I do with it. The anointing. Comes from God, permanently resides on the inside of us, teaches us all things, is permanently there. But again, whether or not I move into the anointing is my choice. Permanently there could be permanently unused, permanently idle, unless I decide to release it, to stir my faith in with it. But when you step into the glory, you step into God alone.
1: Because
0: the glory... Bypasses faith, the glory bypasses the anointing, and the glory is purely God. And that's the place where He's wanting his people because in the glory, that's where there's provision, majesty, excellency. That's when the weight of the the weight of His glory comes upon you. And do you know that the first time the glory is mentioned in the Bible, it's connected to justice? It's not just about having a wonderful, soaky time. The glory is about coming into the presence of God, leaving it totally, permanently, eternally changed, but also understanding that the justice of God and the glory of God are mixed. So you are anointed to prosper. It's in you as an eternal deposit and as a gift from God. It is yours. No one can take it from you. It is permanently abides on the inside of you. However, you alone decide the limitations of your life. God gave us that choice. You alone decide what you're going to think, what you're going to say. You alone decide what you're going to receive, release, release. If you're going to be angry about righteously angry, not other angry, righteous angry, but you alone decide whether the relationship that you have with God, the covenant that he's given you, if you're going to allow that to work in your life like Joseph, so that you get supernatural results, supernatural outcomes, so that there's change, so that people actually see that there is something in your life that goes beyond explanation. How awesome is that! And then it says back in Genesis 39. So when you, when you have this anointing to prosper and you connect it with the, the covenant of God, what happens is that promotion comes because that's what happened to Joseph he was promoted he found favor in Pharaoh's in Potiphar's sight and served him he was made overseer everything Potiphar had was put under his authority It was put into his hand to do with as he pleased. And so from the time that he was made overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So anytime you turn up at work, whether it's in business, whether it's here at this house or wherever you go, you step in and you say, I release the blessing of God in this place because I'm here as a blessing. I release the blessing of God over my employer or over my business personally, professionally. I release the blessing of God over everything I do. I send the blessing of God before me. I send the presence of God before me. Go before me and release the blessing of God and give me supernatural results. That the outcome of my work and everything I do goes beyond the natural. So that the people that are around me and involved in my life are blessed simply because I'm with them. Just as the Lord was with Joseph... Joseph was then with Potiphar and what was on Joseph from the Lord then flowed over onto Potiphar, blessed to be a blessing.
1: Yeah.
0: This, is, this is your birthright. This is what belongs to you. This is who you are. This is what you have. This is it. And then the same thing happened when he went into the jail The anointing to prosper was on him. The favor of God came, promotion came, and things were released. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10... Verse 1, this is where Saul was anointed as a king. See, each and every one of you, you're anointed as children of the Most High God. You are anointed with gifts, talents, and abilities. You are anointed for the call of God upon your life. You are anointed for prosperity. You're anointed to live in divine health. You're anointed to, to walk in wisdom. The anointing of God is upon you to live a supernatural life in every way. But sometimes what we need upon the anointing is the kiss of favor. We want the kiss of favor, the favor of God to be here. So when Saul was anointed king in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head. Well, we don't need any oil. Well, I have had oil poured on my head, but I've got the oil of the Holy Ghost on the inside, yeah. right? So we've got the oil. And he kissed him. Sometimes we just need the kiss of favor to know that God favors you. Above anyone else. God favors you at work. God favors you financially. God favors you with wisdom. God favors you. And so we ask, Lord, would you please kiss my life with your favor? Father, we come before you and we ask you to kiss our lives with your favor. That the favor of God surrounds us, crowns us, and covers us like a shield. That the favor of God causes us to stand as strong as a mountain. That the favor of God goes before us and causes people and authorities and even red tape to be changed and to move out of the way so that the, the expansion of the kingdom and the blessing of God upon my life might be changed. Father, let the favour of God do its work. Let the favour of God affect everything I'm involved in. Let the favour of God change government's minds, you know, like council legislations, whatever it might be. Let the favour of God, let the favour of God, the goodwill of God, the pleasure of God Be upon my life in reality and in power that things will change, that people will see that I live for an amazing God, that I serve an amazing Jesus Christ, that the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of excellence, excellence in what we do, a spirit of excellence and wisdom, it flows through my life simply because I have a covenant with you and you've anointed me to prosper. And so I'm prospering in health, I'm prospering in wisdom, I'm prospering financially, I'm prospering in owning property. I'm prospering and gathering together resources, connections, divine appointments. I'm prospering because in every area of life, because of the power of the anointing, the gift of faith and the kiss of favour upon my life. So Lord of hosts, we come before you and each and every one of us in different areas have been ripped off. Things have been stolen from us. Things have been lost from us. Things have been destroyed in our lives. But we remind you of your word, that Jesus Christ came to give us life and life more abundantly. And Father, we stand before you in righteousness and declare that the blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf. And we come before your throne boldly But now we step into the presence of the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. And we ask you to release justice into every situation and circumstance where we have lost, been stolen from, or things have been destroyed. Let the justice of God, the recompense of God be released into those situations and circumstances now in Jesus' Name, but we pray for the people involved, that they would be blessed, that they would be prospered, that they'd be placed in Your hands, that Your will, Your way would be outworked in their lives. We bless the people, but we release justice, the justice of God, divine justice, into every situation and circumstance, that Lord, there would be a redress, a readdressing of situations that restoration would pour forth, that lost opportunities would be reopened, that closed doors would be opened, that favour would be released and that we would walk not just in the anointing to prosper, but in the manifestation of it in Jesus' Name. Amen.